to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. We've been, I know we said we'd post more, but we've been busy as online school <laughs> does to someone. But we're back. But we're all finished school now. We just have to graduate, which is tomorrow. So, yeah, so uh, very excited. What do we have to do before graduation? We've got to do a new podcast episode. Just ring out our education, doing what we love. As we started this podcast in the beginning of our senior year, we will put out another podcast at the end of our senior year. Yeah, uh, just really coming full circle. And uh, today's episode is all about action movies. We decided to do something a little lighter. Since uh, last week we had Apocalypse Movies, which kind of brought us all down, but we're going to bring us all back up in this episode. Yeah, so we're going to start with a Bruce Lee movie. Um, this movie is called Fist of Fury. It was put out in 1972. Um, and essentially the plot is, there, I wouldn't say there's a lot of plot to this. It's like, um, it's between like a, a Chinese, um, what is it, like fighting school, school, fighting school, I can not think of the word, uh, fighting school. And they are pit against the Japanese fighting school. And in this case, um, the, uh, the Japanese are the villains in this film, which is a little bit, like, uncomfortable to watch. But uh-huh. the fighting in this is very, very good. The fighting is good, but I feel like there wasn't a lot of it. I really expected there to be more. Really? But maybe that's just... But here's the thing. Maybe that's just... Action movies today, there's too much action. So maybe I'm just, like, acclimated to the things I'm shown today. But, yeah, I did think, going into this movie, because they set it up in the very beginning with, ex- like, I love the exposition in the beginning. Yeah, that was so on good. Screen, like, here's what you need to know. Like, the teacher just died, and this guy is, like, going after the killer. They tell you that, like, right away. Start. So I kind of thought there was, like, oh, okay, this is cool. It's going to be, like, a fighting movie, like, with... Maybe detective movie too, but I just feel like I didn't see a lot of that. I don't know. How, how I didn't did expect it. The one thing I really liked in the exposition, exposition was that they said this was the most popular version, suggesting that there were other versions to the story that the audience wasn't going to see. I thought that was like a really cool touch. Unfortunately, I couldn't find an, an English um, subtitled version of this. I can only find the English dubbed version so like it, mm-hmm. I think once you get over the fact that they're clearly like the voices do not match what they're saying I think once mm-hmm. I got over that I think I started to enjoy the movie a lot in the beginning I just kept like seeing their mouths and I was like I'm like this doesn't sound like them because I didn't I didn't realize it was dubbed until like 20 minutes in I was like dumb but I think once you get over that I really liked I think like Bruce Lee's a great fighter he is so strong He's just mm-hmm. so good and, like, better than everyone in this film. I liked also yeah. that they had, like, the Chinese fighting school had, like, the women fighting and, like, his love interest was, like, also a really good fighter. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to bring that up because the one thing I really loved about this was all the fighting between the men and women felt, like, very natural. It did. It wasn't... I feel like in movies today they, like, really have to set up, like, here's a narrative, like, this woman is fighting this guy and... Then, like, the hero comes in at the end. But in this, it just felt like, oh, yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. Instead of, like, all this build-up to... I think, I also, they set up, like, all the Not characters to be yeah. um, fighting as kind of equals. Besides, like, Bruce Lee's character, he's supposed to be, like, the best of the Chinese fighting school. But, like, besides that, all the other, like, extras in this, like, even, like, the women, like, they weren't, you know, something special. They had to, like, do something special to fight. They kind of were just um, as, as equal as all the other men which I really liked. Yeah. Um, and, like, they weren't main uh-huh. characters. I think one of the things this film 
lacked was that they had this this kind of love between uh, Bruce Lee and I don't know who the other woman is. I forgot her name. Um, but like there she's Yen. Like, Yen. I, I think her name was Yen. Yen. Um, and she's so like they kind of have this love story, but like I couldn't really feel it. Like I feel like they kind of rushed into that where she's like, "I love you," and he's like, "I want to marry you," and I was like, "I don't know where this came from." Yeah, it, it was pretty random. Um, but like, I think she had great outfits too. What, like the fight scenes they did have were just crazy. Like there's one scene where he's spinning two guys. Like, oh a yeah. Windmill, like just all around the room, which is like really insane to watch. And then at the very end, there's a fight scene where they do this sort of double exposure effect where you see all of his hands moving in like slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene? And I thought that was really cool. Like I wish more movies would do that. I think also the nunchuck scene when yeah. he's doing the nunchucks and he's like, he's just so skilled. And I think that's one thing this movie does really well was that there's nothing extra about the fight scenes. Like it wasn't like explosions or anything like that. Like it was just pure, like, you know, I don't know what type of, I think it was, like, martial arts or something like that. I'm not super, like, aware of, like, what type of fighting style it was, but it was literally just that, and it was, like, so impressive to watch and still, like, just mm-hmm. as exciting as, as, I think, the other action films on this in, on this list. I do yeah. love the one thing... It just felt very honest. It did, yeah. yeah. The one thing I did love was that every time he would fight, they would, like, zoom into his face. Yeah, that was I good. love that. It just created such a fun effect. And I, like, I wrote it in my notes. I was like, another zoom to the eyes, like, another zoom to his face. It reminded me of um, in Good Time, when you first see Robert Pattinson's character. They, like, did, like, a direct zoom onto his face. I don't know why. I really love that. Yeah. No, they definitely did that really well. Uh, the one thing that I did notice was I feel like the sound cut in and out at, like, really weird times. Yeah, there like, was a weird... Instead of, like, trying to fade out the music, they would just, like, cut it, and then there would be dialogue. That's true. Which... Which is, like, kind of funny. Um, and then, I guess the other thing was the tone was off sometimes. I, I just... I think that's I a result think, of the dubbing. Maybe. I yeah, think, I like, if he had watched it... wanted to watch this version um, yeah. without English dubbing. I feel like I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, I think part of the, the English dubbing, I think, takes away from kind of the tone. Because, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, for some reason, all the actors who were doing it were, like, kind of British... Um, mm-hmm. and we're so, like, monotone. Yeah. It was, it was, like, that's why I was, I was like, I, I think this movie could have done so much better if it just had subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. because I think you would have felt more for the characters. Yeah. Um, I really like the scene where he's, where, so, eventually what happens in the film is, the whole plot is basically this Japanese, um, fighting school, after the teacher dies, um, at the Chinese fighting school, they come in and they're basically, like, insult them. So Bruce Lee's character, Chen, he goes to Japanese fighting school and kicks everyone's ass. And then they're pissed. So they go back to the Chinese fighting school and kick, uh, kicks everyone else's ass there. And then they're, then they're like, we want Chen and we're closing down your school. And you're like, oh no. So Chen, like, leaves. And then he also kills a lot of people along the way. He realizes... He does, yeah. He, he realizes... Really does. I did not expect that. Yeah, he realizes that the teacher was poisoned not he didn't like die of natural causes like everyone thought he d- he did and it's something that they kind of hinted to in the beginning um mm-hmm. but and then he kind of like goes on this revenge quest and eventually he does um take revenge on the men who who at the japanese fighting school who did poison the teacher but then he kind of gets blamed for everything at the end and he kind of goes out and like a kick i really like the ending <laughs> yeah 
we lo- I love a good freeze frame. What yeah. can I say? They, they basically ended where he's, he's like, he understands that, like, he has to take the blame or else the school will, sh- will shut down. And he's like, I understand. Also, like, he killed people, so I think he's kind of like... And he, that's, like, his fist of fury. is like, it's just, like, he'll punch people and then they'll, like, die. <laughs> That was kind of it's fun. just the burden of strength he has to bear. Yeah, he's too strong. Um, too strong for his own oh no, so one of the scenes I really liked is mine. So after the Japanese school comes in and basically tells Chinese school, like kicks all their ass and is like, hey, if you don't hand over Chen, you know, we're closing down your school. And I think um, during the the time the movie is supposed to take place, like they kind of hint at it at, in the film that like, the Chinese people are treated really badly. They're kind of seen as, like, a lesser class than everyone else. And it seems to be some sort of, like, Japanese rule mm-hmm. going on. Because they, they talk about the international se- settlement. Like, that's where they're living. Um, so, obviously, like, they don't want that to happen. But Chen, like, he leaves. And he meets up with his lover. And they have that really beautiful scene by the fire. Where, like, they're both not facing each other. They're, like, mm-hmm. um, and then the fire's just kind of there. I thought that was, like, a really beautiful shot. And it also, I feel like, definitely set up their love story better than, like, the scenes before that. Yeah, no, it definitely added more to it that, like, when they're going out to find Chen, she knows exactly where to find yeah. him. Because that does say a lot without, without having to go into all of their history. It's like, oh, I know this person so well. Like, I know what they'll do next. Yeah. I, I really liked that. I just thought that one was especially... Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one scene that made me so uncomfortable was that woman dancing for the it was like the russian oh, guy yeah. and so at the Japanese, oh my god i forgot about that part yeah that was like really random it was so <laughs> random so like i like we were going i was going through this film i'm like oh cool you know like all like everyone's clothing was like very kind of in their culture um and things like that like everything was very traditional and then all of a sudden you get this woman in like a bikini who's performing for all these men and and she like takes off her top and she takes off her her bottom and she's like completely naked essentially she's just dancing for these men and then she leaves and there I don't think there was a real reason for this scene but if you didn't realize I don't know if you saw this car all the women in that scene had a, a blank face like all the men were like laughing and like cheering her on and all the women were like just nothing no emotion <laughs> yeah no I did notice that it was so I, uncomfortable I just, like, that scene because I was just like okay like this is really weird and it, it just like goes on back to like what you think this movie would be you know yeah. it definitely I think takes away from the overall message because like, there was no point I think it was just like to have a woman take off her clothes like I don't I don't think it was any adding to the plot because mm-hmm. by that point you already know like you're you're introduced to the Russian guy like that's kind of I feel like the the end of that scene that's what happens but I think mm-hmm. they could have done something else without like you know, basically uh, putting just a woman, a naked woman there. Yeah, they, no, I definitely agree with that. Oh, another scene that I really liked, though, was whenever he's in disguise somewhere. He was in disguise three different times. Oh, it was so good. I loved his disguises. um, Delivering newspaper. And then another time when he was, like, the driver for that, um, Mm -hmm. I forget what it's called, the the two-wheel thing, you know? They're like a carriage that um, people pull. I guess. I think that's what it's called. That was so funny, because then he takes the carriage over his head with the guy in it. That was so cool. I have to admit, that was, like, I was so shook. I was, like, gasping. I was, like, oh, God. Like, he just takes takes it and throws it with the guy and still inside. (laughs) Yeah. I also... It reminded me 
of, have you ever seen the TV show BBC Sherlock? I have. There's the, they make a big point in that, that like, you never noticed who the killer was because he was the taxi driver and you never noticed the driver and that's what it reminded me of. That's true. But also, it didn't take Chen to, to do too much to disguise himself because like, there's a one scene where he's pretending to be um, the guy fixing the telephone, and he literally just puts on, like, a blue hat, and they're, then they no, talk glasses. right in front of him. And it's like, how do you guys not know it's him? Like, no, it's it the, so obvious. I remember notes, it's the Superman effect. He's wearing glasses, and all of a sudden, no one can know who he is. <laughs> Have you ever watched um You? No, I haven't. Oh, so if you watch You on Netflix... The character, he just puts on a hat, and it's like, oh my god, no one can know who he is. Like, it's a totally different person. I feel like that's the same philosophy for that scene, where he's like, all he put, all he put on was a hat and glasses, and he's like, and like, no one knows who he is. But you know, Zoe Day should know without bangs. She's hard to recognize, so that's I guess true. it does hold some weight. Yeah, yeah. But any other final comments? I thought, I think overall this is a great, like, um, is. I think it was made in Hong Kong, but, like, a, a Chinese, um, kind of martial arts film. Bruce Lee was great. It's the first Bruce Lee film I ever saw, so I think it was a good one. A good introduction. Yeah. I would definitely want to see, like, Bruce Lee's later work. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. This was, like, one of his first, one of the most first films as, like, a lead characters. Um, mm-hmm. but I thought it was still, so well done. I was, oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh, no, that's it. Continue. No, I was kind of watching this movie but Bruce Lee was definitely my favorite part and I would watch more of his movies. Agreed. Agreed. Okay so that's the end of Fist of Fury. Now we're mm-hmm. going to Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark director Steven Spielberg. Um, I'd say arguably one of the best action heroes of all time. Yeah I think definitely our like five films um, kind of surround a main action person. Like, it's one person that kind of helms this film. First one is Bruce Lee. This time we have Harrison Ford, who is definitely an action guy. Mm-hmm. I rewatched this. Mm-hmm. I watched this, I think, like, two years ago, my sophomore year. I was in an archaeology class, and my final, like, we had to write, like, a final paper. And I just watched Indiana Jones, this movie, and was like, he is not an archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> Elena is... I thought stealing from other people's cultures and putting in museums, is that not archaeology? That's, like, the wrong part of archaeology. I can talk about this for a while. But I remember, like, watching it, too, after I learned, like, what archaeology is. And I'm like, he's literally stealing. He's, like, a white man stealing from indigenous cultures. Like, he's he's not in the right here. He's in the wrong. And yet, like, he's kind of... It's... I think, like, they can't make this type of film now just because I think people are way more aware of, like, where your artifacts come from. Um, yeah, definitely. This was, like, this was takes place in the 1940s, where, like, things like this were still very common. So, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't be surprised, but, yeah, you can't make a, you can't make a current-day Indiana Jones where he just steals things from other cultures. <laughs> because that's why in the fourth one, they transition to, like, oh, we're making this about aliens now, not <laughs> about... Our- <laughs> like, someone realized that, but for this movie... It is what it is, I feel like. Yeah. So besides, like, his, like, zero understanding of what um, an um, archaeologist actually is, he, he's, a, he's a good action hero. You know, he's oh, for quick. sure. The thing I love about him is that he's such an underdog, really, in his own story. And that, like, the, you always love watching him because he's always, like, a step back from everything. And he's just trying to get ahead. Yeah, like, there's, yeah there's always like someone following him the, or something. Uh, the... What is it? Like, the gold... 
Is it called statue? Yeah. Yeah, and then as soon as he gets it, he like he's gotta give it to Belloc as soon as he gets out and he's on the run again. And yeah. I think that's fun to watch. I did like the beginning of the film, you don't see his face. Like you yeah. just kind of see him traveling and all of a sudden it's like Harrison Ford and I have to admit, Harrison Ford when he's like teaching, I agree with those girls in his class. Oh, he's so, so good looking. I know, like I kinda wish he just wore that outfit. Like the, the teacher outfit. Oh, <laughs> him with the glasses is a good a look. Teacher. Like if he was actually a teacher, like he'd be at one class each semester and then he who the hell knows where. Like he'd That's never true. Class. That's true. I do think that this movie like does a really good job in just kind of getting to getting to the point. Mm-hmm. Like there's no wasted scene where you're kind of like, oh, like it's like dull or they're like they don't waste the scene trying to explain what's going on in the world. They kind of, like, do it with the action, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, they also kind of had, like, the way they showed travel of time was just, like, that line on the map. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, a, a so classic. Many other movies have copied that just because it's so good. Yeah, it was, like... Uh, and all the action sequences are so memorable. That's true. Because, like, you've got the... And that's the thing that I have a problem with action movies today because they just overwhelm you with too much action that like you leave the movie and you can't think of like one thing that happened but in this like you've got the cave sequence followed by uh like him and jock leaving on the airplane and then you've got the like another great airplane sequence where like indiana jones is having to fight someone underneath the propeller oh yeah yeah and then they also have like when he goes to the bar there's that fight scene there and then they leave and they go to egypt and then there's another like fight scene in egypt in cairo i i loved like kind of the scale of this film Mm -hmm. where you can see i love like that shot when they first they first come to cairo and it's all the buildings and it's so bright and i think everything before like the scenes before that were at night so it was really dark Mm -hmm. i like like that contrast because it's really like kind of showing off the grand scale of Cairo and then also, like, where they are. Oh, my God. I also, like, ge- I generally thought they killed off Marion. I, like, forgot oh, she Oh, really? Lived. Yeah, so, like, so Marion, I I have, I don't know. How do you feel about her character? Oh, I like Marion. The only, th- I love her introduction when she's out drinking that guy. Yeah. She does get, have to get saved, I feel like, one too many times. Like, I agree. The thing I would want to change about this movie personally is, there's the one scene where she is with Belloc in his tent, and they're, like, just drinking for fun, like, genuinely having a good time. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been cool if, if instead of her having to get saved again, if she was out drinking him and then could escape herself. Yeah, that's where I thought that was going, because I thought it was like, oh, it's a reference to her first introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and also, like, they make her wear these dresses in the film. Which I didn't really understand, like, like why was Belloc, like, you should wear this pretty dress, which is, like, something that happens a lot to female characters in either, like, yeah. action films or things like that, where, like, they make them dress in, like, you know, pretty dresses and things like that. And she goes from, like, that white dress to, like, um, to a different, like, a different dress on the boat. So I'm, like, so confused. I'm, like, why does this keep happening to her? Yeah, I feel like they just had to think of a reason, like, oh, Marianne needs to make, like... A costume change, but how do we address that? Yeah, and it was, like, so uncomfortable. I'm like, why are you making her change? Then he's also, like, kind of watching her change, and I was like, God, like, that's just very gross. And maybe that was, like, because he's supposed to be the villain, like, that was the point. But I feel like you could have made the point that he was a villain without, like, subjecting her character. Mm Mm-hmm. But I I did like her. I do wish she was, like, able to save herself more than, like, like, she's always calling... Uh, Indy, I love the nickname, but she was always like oh, yeah. always calling him, and I'm like, 
I'm like, no, like, you were, her introduction was so cool, and she was, like, able to fight off, and then kind of at the end, like, she doesn't live up to that introduction, I think, is, like, why I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. But, like, Indiana and did Jones you is know good. that uh, Marianne comes back for the fourth movie? Yeah, I looked, I looked at her IMDb, I saw that. And, uh, I forget, oh, Karen Allen, that's her name. She's really cool, um, she has, I think her son is, like, famous on the Cooking Network, and then she's, like, this great quilter or something like that. Wait, really? So she, like, even though she doesn't do a lot of acting anymore, she does, like, all this other crazy stuff, which is so cool. That's cool. I also liked the dig, the dig site they were doing, because you can, like, I think, I don't know how, what the special effects were here, um, they did, a, I think, like, for the time that it was, like, what, 1982, I think, was the film um, released, or somewhere around that time. Um, like, you can tell, like, there weren't, like, CGI'd people. Like, they were all that extras at any time. They had them, like, they did a wide shot of kind of the dig. There were so many mm-hmm. people, and there were all those, you know, dig sites, which was really cool. Um, I thought the the end was good as well. Like, he kind of, like, pretends that he doesn't find the lost Ark. Oh, I feel like we never explain the plot, but I feel like most people know. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows this plot. <laughs> so you mentioned how, like, the practical effects, and in the scene with all the snakes, so those were all mostly real, too. They used snakes, hoses, and then uh, legless lizards. Oh, um, I didn't know and that. And Stanley Kubrick's daughter, uh, she was involved with the... I don't know if she was involved with the making of it, but she was trying to get the set in trouble, saying that, like, oh, these snakes aren't being treated right. Which I think is so funny. Well, honestly, like, it could have been true. We don't know how people were treating animals on sets, a la yeah, our no, knowledge of Tiger true. King. Um, yeah. But I did, like, yeah, during that scene, it's also funny because he's always like, I hate snakes. And then, of course, there's, like, a thousand snakes in this oh, tomb. this movie gave me my phobia of snakes. Really? I, I literally hate snakes, and I swear it's from this movie, because I watched it at such a young age, and still to this day, like, I'll pick up, like, a tarantula, like, a rat, I mean, not that I actually would do that, but, like, hypothetically, yes. but, like, I'm not gonna get near a snake. That's funny. <laughs> um, I also liked, um, they, I liked kind of how they shot, they did a lot of, like, shadow scenes, where it was, like, a shadow of someone doing something, and then, uh-huh. like, kind of as a way to, like, Obviously, they couldn't do it in real life, but I thought that was, like, a cool way to show the action. Um, when he was going underneath the car, that was really well done. Yeah, that was. There's a scene where he's, like, chasing a arc, and he, I guess his car crashes or something, and he goes underneath where the arc is, like, under that car to go up on the back, and I was like, I don't know how they did that. That was really, like, it looked like he was, like, they were actually driving, and he was, you know, going underneath the car. Oh, yeah, I feel like that was definitely someone, but not Harrison Ford. No, yeah, maybe not Harrison Ford, but it looked like someone was actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that was definitely a cool scene. And I just think the whole movie, like, it's just really clever, too. Like, that one, the scene at the bar when it's on fire in the very beginning of the movie, um, and the one guy gets the medallion, like, engraved onto yeah, his Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I always think about, oh, and we got to mention John Williams, who's just the man. I love John Williams, and this score is amazing. Yeah, it's really, the music really adds, I think, to, like, the tension um, Mm -hmm. and kind of the action in the film, and it's just, it's so iconic. I love it. Anytime, like, anything was, like, anything, like, time, like, the action was building up, they had, like, the classic theme rolling, where he he was, like, you know, trying to escape, that theme would go, and you're, like, you know he's gonna do it. 
It just gets you so pumped up. It does. It gets you super pumped. <laughs> Any other things you want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I just, you know, I just love this movie. Like, whenever it's on TV, I'll, I'll turn it on. Nice. All the Indiana Jones movies are great, I think. That's true. That's true. Well, this is a good one. Our next one is also follows another um, man of all trade, John Wick. <laughs> I love this film. I watched all three of them last summer. Like, I was like, I'm going to watch the first one. And then I watched the second one, and the third one came out, like, that weekend, and I watched it. I think uh-huh. they're so good. Also, it's only 90 minutes. It's, like, it's to the point, I think. Yeah, all movies got to be, not all movies. But I love 90 minutes. I do. I love like, 90 minutes. Get movies. in and out. You don't need anything more. Yeah, there's no, like, extra. I think John Wick also is, an, is another film where, like, a lot of stuff happens. But, like, it's just so cool to watch. And if you don't know what John Wick is about, I don't know how, how you can't. They're making another one. Um, <laughs> but it follows Keanu Reeves as the namesake of the film. And eventually his wife dies. And then his wife, who I assume they... She knows she's going to die. She's been sick for a while. Gives him a dog after her death. Um, sends him a dog. And he's like, he, she's like, you need to love something. You know, you need to continue living. So he has this dog. Like, his wife dies. He gets this dog. And then this asshole kid, a.k.a. Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones, <laughs> comes in and kills the dog. And he's like, you've killed the last thing my wife gave me. And he goes on revenge. Oh, and this dog is so cute. Who's like a beagle? Oh, oh, so my name's so Daisy. And John Wick is one of those characters who, although he doesn't, he's a, a man of few words. He is. He is a man of few words. You just care for the character so much, and you really feel bad for him when the dog dies. You're like, oh. Yeah, and this movie starts out with kind of like the end of the film, where you see like John Wick, he has like a lot of bullets and blood, and he's like driving this car, and then he watches this video of who you soon realize is his like late wife. Um, and I kind of like that because you, because like, at that point, when you start, like, after that scene, you kind of start the film where John Wick, like, he isn't this, like, assassin. He's essentially uh-huh. was, like, assassin for hire. Um, and you're like, okay, like, you know it's going to get to that point where he's fighting people. But it's it's nice to, like, see that transition. where Because he, he, he keeps saying, you know, he's retired. He's not working anymore. And at one point, he's like, fuck retirement. Like, you killed my dog. And you really want to believe that because... He doesn't really pick up a gun for the first maybe 20 minutes or so. Yeah, it doesn't. And, like, the thing about this film also, I think this film does such a good job with the world building around the assassins without, like, someone outright explaining it. Like, mm-hmm. like in the film, it goes, like, once... So the, this kid um, kills the dog and steals John Wick's car, and his father, who's, like, this big kind of Russian um, crime lord in what I assume to be is New York City, is, like you stole John Wick's car and killed his dog after his wife died. Like, you're a fucking idiot. And that's when you realize, like, oh, like, like John Wick, he's actually, like, a really intense guy. And it's, like, it it kind of cuts between John Wick, like, literally taking a sledgehammer to cement um, to, in his, like, in his garage trying to find something with, like, the Russian crime boss being, kind of explaining who John Wick is and they call him, like, the boogeyman and why they call him this and things like that. And it was such a good introduction to, like, this badass character that you're going to know in the film. Yeah. And I was wondering, I was going to ask you, if this wasn't Keanu, would this movie still work? Is there anyone else who could have done John Wick, do you think, and made it just as cool? I think it's hard. I think because Keanu, like, he has, like, he's been in The Matrix. 
he's, you know, for me, like, Bill and Ted, Excellent Adventure was, like, one of those films I loved growing up. Um, I think it would be hard. I don't think, like, he's the only one, but I think he, he makes the character. I don't think it would have been as successful if this was a different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely does it really well. And also, like, the action is done so well. In it this. is. Like, the two directors, um, I'm not going to try pronouncing their last names, but it's Chad and David. They worked on The Matrix, um, doing the action sequences for them. Um, and they just take what they know and just, like, totally expand off yeah. of it and just make it all great. Uh, the one interview I was watching, they were explaining about how they use so many extras and basically what they do is they'll have a guy come in who has like a beard Mm -hmm. like fight john wick and then like when the scene would change the guy would get up take off his fake beard and be like someone else and i thought that was really funny too oh that's good oh that's actually kind of cool they did that um and i feel like they probably done that in other films too Mm -hmm. um what was one of your favorite fighting scenes i love the club scene yeah, the club scene's good. Um, oh gosh, let me think. Yeah, the scene with the the pool where Theon Greyjoy is like just chilling and like you know John Wick is like coming yeah. for him and you're like, oh, this guy's fucked. Like, you gotta go or you're gonna die. Also, like, there's like layers in the club. There's like the pool, which is like the basement, and then you have the club dance floor, and then you have like the entrance, and then the club. And he kind of goes through that, and it starts with like this really blue lighting and then it goes to like really red lighting that gets like purple because they mix and then he's out in the entrance and it's so bright um uh-huh. it was just like i think it was just like one one of the times where like you see a fight scene and it's it's just lit really nice like it's got like yeah. great aesthetic to it <laughs> it's almost like very just mesmerizing yeah i think like, yeah that's why i liked it just, so much this is like sounding bad but like him just going around, just, like, taking people out, like, it's done in such, like, a rhythmic way. Yeah, I agree. But here's the thing. I'm probably gonna get hate for this, but I don't think John Wick is in the right to kill as many people as he did for the crime that was committed. I disagree, because John Wick (laughs) only kills people that are, like, against him. He never, he never, like, kills an innocent person. He never kills an innocent person, but in the world of assassins, I don't know. I guess I would have to more learn more about the world to really. Yeah. So, in in the second film, they they have the law about like you can't kill in the hotel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I but yeah. In the second and third film, they definitely do way more world world building. In the second film, they go to Rome, Mm -hmm. which is so which is cool on itself. Um. But I also liked, um, in this film, I love the hotel, because that's something in the third film is, like, a really big deal. Um, they, they do a lot of the scenes there. I love, like, the hotel, and, like, everyone has, like, these gold coins, um, that, like, that's how it's their currency. Like, they don't even deal in money. Like, they do deal in money, but, like, the assassins themselves deal in coin, and they have, like, they say, oh, like, if you want cleanup service to clean up bodies, they call it, like, making a reservation at a restaurant. <laughs> like, it's just all those, like, little things that I think really makes the film because it's all these, like, small details that bring you into this world without someone, like, outright telling you what's going on. Yeah, and it makes me always have, like, just a lot of questions about, like, how the hell did this world become what it is? But it's yeah. also one of those things where it's, like, I feel like whatever answer they have for it, like, I don't want to know. I'd rather just, yeah. like, have the world exist, yeah. you know? And I think, like, one of the good things, too, is that, John, like, John, he's been retired for five years, so he's also, like, the hotel looks different. Like, he's not quite used to how things are running right now. 
um, uh-huh. which I think kind of helps you as an audience member, like, understand things as well. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, the subtitles as well. So they speak Russian in the film, and they the subtitles are not, are not like, normal subtitles in the film. They kind of play with them and their placement and kind of the exaggeration of certain words, which I thought was just, uh-huh. like, a fun way and, like, something a little different. At least, like, I've never seen a film that, like, specifically has subtitles in that manner. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a fun, a little fun detail there. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, Willem Dafoe's in it. Oh, <laughs> Forgot yeah, about yeah, that. I was going to bring that up. I love Willem Dafoe. And he dies. He was a true gem. What's out of my notes? Well, he plays, like, a sniper, which, honestly, if you're going to be an assassin, is the best way to get... Yeah. He's, he's truly safe this entire film until he goes back to his house. Um, so he plays a sniper who was ordered by the Russian guy. And the whole reason, like, why there's so much fighting in this film is because John Wick is going after the Russian guy's son. Um, but the, so the Russian guy puts a hit on John Wick, saying whoever kills him, like, like $2 million. So everyone's trying to kill John Wick. Um, so people are going after him. And Willem Dafoe's character, who you meet in the beginning of the film, who goes to, like, the funeral um, to check up on John, their friends, was hired to kill him. But instead of killing him, he actually saves him, like, several, like, at least twice in the whole film. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they kind of meet up again. He's like, why do I always have to save you? And John's like, you know, thank you. And then the Russian guy um, gets really angry because he's like, you had had your chance to kill John Wick and you didn't. So they kill him. And it was really sad. Mm -hmm. That's my last, that's my last bit about this movie. (laughs) Also, he got a new dog in the end. I thought that was a good touch. All right, shall we move on to uh, Mad Max Fury Road? Oh, yes. Another? Uh, another which good is film. It's the five-year anniversary. Five-year anniversary of, apparently, um, George Miller is making, a, I don't know if it's a second or a prequel. I had, didn't really read the details about Furiosa, who was another great yeah, character. Um, starring Anya Taylor-Joy uh, as of right now, I think. Oh, very. Okay, so it's a prequel then. It's her when she's younger. Yeah. Um, yes. So, um, have you seen any of the other Mad Max films before this? No, this is the only one I've seen. I agree. I think there were definitely some things where, like, I don't know if they're talking like this because it's a Mad Max film, or they're talking like this for some other reason. Um, I, I did, I, I liked it. They don't, I don't think you really need to watch the other ones to watch this one, um, because I think it's a yeah, totally it's different a pretty, story. Yeah, like, it's straightforward plot. Yeah. It's just, like... Uh, Furiosa is setting free Immortal Joe's five wives, and there's also, like, a power struggle for water that they're trying to, like, yeah. give to the people. Um, and during this time, Max, played by Tom Hardy, is basically a blood bag for these, like, war boys, um, for one of the war boys, played by Nicholas Holt, um, and he, they're, he, they're going to, like, get back, um, Furiosa and the wise, but Max doesn't really give a shit. He just kind of wants to, like, leave and do his own thing. <laughs> but he's attached to this war boy who wants this, so that's also kind of, like, um, what's going on in the background. I really liked it. I saw it for the first time, I think. Like, not in theaters. I think, like, um, at my house, just, like, on demand or something. But mm-hmm. I remember, like, when I first watched it, I was, like, so confused why. Like, I, I, was, I was like, oh, like, it's clearly not about Max. <laughs> like, 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 the beginning, they have his voiceover, but, like, he doesn't talk throughout most of the film. He has a muzzle over his face. Um, it's kind of about Furiosa and the wives, and I really liked that. Oh, yeah, definitely. is a uh, great character. I know. Um, they just, the one thing I love about this movie that, like, a, I feel like a lot of action movies do not handle well is, like, the way their female characters are filmed. Agreed. And I actually... 
I wrote about this um, well, in uh, freshman year. I took a human sexuality class, and I wrote about this movie. And I was explaining how it won for best editing, and the editor is Margaret Sixel, who is uh, George Miller's wife. And before making the film, uh, George asked her to like, "Oh, will you edit this movie?" And she was like, oh, why do you want me to do an action film? And he was like, because if a guy did it, it would look like every other action movie. Because there are so many scenes where, like, Giriosa is getting into a car, which is, like, very simple. But they would always film her face. Opposed to other movies, maybe filmed by, like, uh, let's say, Michael Bay or something. Where it, like, focus (laughs) on the girl's, like, ass. Yeah. No, if you... And, like... Rewatching this movie, there were so many moments where that could have happened and there could have been edited in a certain way, but it wasn't. So, like, I really appreciate that about this movie. And it's quite sad, like, that it's so apparent that that's, like, what it's known for. Like, action films are so, like, kind of degrade the female characters that, like, like it's such a relief when that's not happening. I think if you, yeah. if you really want to see this in play, if you see the first Suicide Squad movie and the Harley Quinn movie... Um, Suicide Squad was directed by a man, the new Harley Quinn movie was directed by a woman, and the way they direct Harley Quinn is so different. Like, it's it's actually, like, kind of gross the way they did it in Suicide Squad. Just, like, blatantly doing her out, like, scanning up her body, which is, like, doesn't really do anything. It's just, like, because a man was doing it, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. I had so many questions about this film, though. That, like, I think they tried to explain, but I just don't think I really got it. Like, why were why were all those guys so white? Like, why did they have that white powder on them? Okay, um, so... Like, were, were, did they have thing? diseases? Were they, were, they, were they his sons? Were they, like, that guy's sons? And they were also diseased? Because clearly he had a disease, and if that was genetic, he's passing it on to his sons. And, like, mm-hmm. why is he doing that? He's just creating a sick herd of people that will die. So I was very confused. So I was thinking about that because I was wondering the same thing. And what I my theory, at least, is, like, since there's no shade from the sun, like, wherever they are, they they're, they painted themselves completely white because it reflects the most sun due to the albedo effect. That's what I was thinking, too. I don't think... Uh-huh. I, don't, I read something on, like, Reddit where, like, like, they did it because... So they think of themselves as, like, half-dead. Mm. It's, like, so, like, in one of the scenes, um, the kid says, like... They talk about, um, the, like, the girls say, like, oh, the kid's on the, at the end of his half-life. And he says, in one of the scenes, like, one of the war boys, I live, I die, I live again. Um, so I read somewhere that, like, they're kind of supposed to look like skeletons. And they do look pretty sickly. Like, they all have shaved heads. They all have black uh-huh. around their eyes. Um, they're pretty skinny. Um, and they're, like, completely, like, in this white powder. So someone said, like, it's kind of supposed to be, like, skeletons, and I was like, I see it, but also, like, I was thinking, I was like, well, it's really hot in the desert, like, maybe they're just, maybe that's sunscreen. (laughs) But I kind of like how ambiguous they leave that question, because I feel like there could be a few answers to it. I think this is one of the best, like, production of all the the films. Those cars were so cool. My favorite one was the Camaro with the, with the tanks for wheels. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, and all of the action was so, like, kind of practical. Like, cars were really exploding. That guy with, who had, like, it was so, also, like, the the music truck, which, so, once, like, once um, Immortal Joe realizes that the wives are gone, him and a bunch of other war boys, which are all the boys in white, um, they go on this, to go find her, and they bring this 
like all these different trucks and cars and things like that. And they bring like this music truck apparently and there's this guy on a guitar like a flaming guitar and i'm like this is so impractical but it's she just was like so cool yeah it's just so cool where you're like oh i guess like there's no reason for this except for the fact that it's like a cool factor but like i believe it because it's awesome yeah it's just like i don't care why you're here but you know i'm glad you're here you play that guitar on the, on the front of the car yeah i wrote like the band is sick that was like in my notes like my initial reaction oh yeah so the one thing i love about this movie is just like the color palette to it because it's even though it's dystopian it's like all very bright yeah which I feel a lot like there of are so many dystopian movies today which are like totally grayed out so it's think like, about oh, 28 days later see dystopian that has like full of colors and this certainly does not disappoint yeah it's very orange toned because they're in the desert like kind of those mm-hmm. orange red tones and even like they put these like little like i don't know i don't know what they are but like kind of powdered colored powdered in the air Mm-hmm. And that, like, brings a lot of color. And then, like, once it gets night, it's very blue. Um, yeah. And kind of, like, a purple and tone. It, yeah, and especially there's the one scene where uh, they're all in the car together. And up front, like, Max is, like, completely in blue. But, like, the back of the car is, like, in this orangey color. And even though it feels like this shouldn't work, like, it just works so well. Yeah. And I liked the one thing, um, another thing I really liked about this film was that it's, like, such an obvious, like, kind of masculine take on action. Like, it's cars, which are, like, initially suggested as, like, a man's thing, and, like, it's, like, fire and really loud, kind of, like, rock music, and then it's basically, like, the whole film is, like, a, a about, like, the women. Like, it's how that they're not, like, his property. And they mm-hmm. are their own people, and all, like, those men in white, the war boys, how they're also, like, their own people as well. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, he shouldn't rule all of them. He's not this, you know, he's kind of, like, a dictator. Mm-hmm. That was something, like, I, I took a uh, psychology sexuality class po- um, podcast listener, so I'm sorry, but I was, there was a very big lens when I was watching this. <laughs> oh also, Charlize Theron, so good. I feel like she's become kind of, like, an action star in the last, like, you know, five years or so. Like, she had this film, she did Atomic Blonde. Oh, I never saw Atomic Blonde. I it wanted was, to. The though. movie was all right. She was very good, though. Like, she really, mm-hmm. like, you know, she's strong. She has that one arm in this film, um, but that's not, like, that's not seen as her weakness at all. It's just something that, like, makes her character different. Yeah, she just has, like, such a presence on screen. You she know? does. Yeah, her shaved head. Oh, also. yeah, yeah. Well, all, all the other women have, like, long, besides, I think, Zoe Kravitz, all the other women have, like, long, either, like, there's one girl with red hair, black hair, blonde hair. The one thing, I don't know if you noticed this, and maybe I just didn't hear it, did any of, like, his wives have names? Like, he said it once, and I think it was just, like, I literally couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, they do have names, but I thought they were, like, pretty weird. Like, Cheeto, the Dag, um, I forgot the others, but they, they did have names. That was, like, I, I think I probably just, like, misheard it when he was addressing them. But at the beginning, I, I was like, oh, I mean, like... it's hard when Tom Hardy is, like, just running the whole time. No, no, I think it was Immortal Joe, I think, who said it. Um, oh, gosh. Also, like, what's with him? What does Immortal he have? Joe? Yeah, he wears, like, that armor that has a six-pack. He does not have a six-pack. Um, but then, it's like his... the In the beginning of the film, he... When he gets in his armor, they're, like, blowing this dust on him. Um, uh-huh. And I wasn't quite sure, like, what's going on. Like, he's clearly sick. 
Like, he has to breathe with this mask. Um, but I'm not quite sure, like, what is happening. And, like, I, I, I think, like, about this film is that they don't really give the audience answers to, like, questions that I'm having. But it just makes it more interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I also don't have an answer for you. I'm sure there's some stuff that, like, is pulled from the Mad Max lore. Yeah. I imagine. I think, like, I have to admit, some of the way they talk is, like, a little cringe. Um, when she says he's like, he's like, oh, you're just a, like a smig and, um, you're like whatever schlanger. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and like, that didn't sound cool either. It just was like kind of nonsense that I like cringed at that moment. And I was like, maybe that's something like from the other movies I'm like supposed to understand. or was like a little bit of like a, you know, Easter egg sort of thing. Um, the one thing I think differs like this from action movies besides like it's super practical, the cars are really kind of, like, it's, I think a lot of action films trying to have somewhat of a base in reality. This one kind of, it's so apocalyptic that it doesn't. Um, and the cars look really cool. Was that they, in some of the scenes, it's sped up. Not by much, but, like, some of the action is just quickened a little bit. And I think that really brings, I don't know if you noticed that. No, I didn't notice that. I should, oh. yeah, I didn't notice I don't know, that. I, maybe it's not really happening, but it was some, something like I saw where, like, something would happen, like, when they would, like, in the beginning when he's running away from all those guys when they first capture him, they'll, like, turn on his face and he'll go over a car, but it's not, like, the normal speed. They'll do it really quickly. Um, just, like, like not, like, I think not much that you notice, but I think it just really adds, like, that intense action going on. That, like, you, it's so quick, you don't have time to think. You just do. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I just have to go back and watch and see that. <laughs> I think like, that was, I think, like, for editing-wise, like, that was such a brilliant, like, kind of, trick where like if you're really not looking you can't necessarily notice it but you feel it mm. yeah no the painting of this movie was definitely good um and there was 480 hours of footage to this movie originally wow um to like to cut down which is insane that's a lot yeah it's a lot oh I... wait the one other thing i wanted to bring up was since like they really put an emphasis of like oh water is so not that the water is scarce, but, like, only one person holds the water. All of those scenes with water, people are being so wasteful. That's they what like I noticed, too. Take the hoses, and they're, like... And it's like, guys, you don't need to turn the hose on that much if you don't have a lot of water. Just put it half on. Yeah, when the... water all over the place. When the wives were drinking, when you first see the wives, they're all kind of drinking water and washing themselves. And, like, they're straight up, like, holding the hose. Water is rushing out, and, like, they're, no one's doing anything. And I'm, like, if this whole, like, you see all the people in the beginning of the film who, like, really need water. And obviously he purposely makes it scarce so that people will follow him. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, dude, like, there's so many people that looked, like, so hungry and thirsty. Like, they need water. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I like the end. I love that scene when she's, like, in the desert. When cause the whole point is that um, the women, they're trying to go, it's called, like, the greener place or something like that. Um, and it doesn't exist. It is actually like a swampland. Um, but they meet kind of these other women, and Charlie Theron's character Frio so no, like realizes that like oh it's it's gone. This like place from her youth is gone. Um, and she just kind of like yells into the sky, and she's on uh-huh. this sand. It's like a beautiful background, and I'm like you can frame this. Oh yeah, no, that I know exactly the shot you're talking about, and I love that one. It's so good, isn't so- it? Like, at the end, they kind of leave it up to kind of, like, her, not to rule, but, like, they go back to where they, I forgot, I don't know what it's called, but where they started the film, 
Um, because like that, they have water there. They have green, like you see in the, in the beginning, they have like plants and things like that. So they kind of go back there and they make that place into like what they need, you know, mm-hmm. which I really liked. It was kind of like, because I think like when I was first watching it, I was like, oh yeah, like this greener place exists. And when we realize it doesn't, it's kind of like we have to make it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think in the, um, in the new movie they're going to make, it's probably going to be about... Uh, like in the green place that she talks about yeah that's what i would think because she eventually like it seems like she had gone to this green place and then she she becomes one of his like imperial got imperial like people like she she's has a really like powerful um position in his in imperial joe's kind of world because in the mm-hmm. beginning of the film she's the one driving the gas so the, the whole thing found the whole point is that she was supposed to go get gas um in like gas town or whatever um, and everyone, all those war boys, like, they're all, like, listening to her. Like, they're kind of like, <laughs> boss, what's up? And she's the one in charge, so obviously, like, it, it maybe it'll, like, plot that, that point to where she goes from, like, the greener place to kind of where she is, where she's kind of this powerful person, but she also, like, she has that mark on his, what, like, what he marks, um, like people as like his symbol on her neck so I think it's a kind of interesting she has like a mysterious background that I think would be cool to kind of um, see in a film yeah and I think Anya Taylor Joe would do like an amazing job too yeah she was so good in Emma um Mm -hmm. that like she is she's a great actress but I would say definitely this is like if you haven't seen this like definitely do it's it's very well done what's six one of the best movies of the decade I think agreed yeah Definitely up there. And then our yeah. final film. You cannot talk about action without talking about Tom Cruise. And what is best <laughs> besides Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible? And we've decided to look at the most recent one, which is Mission Impossible Fallout. Which is just as good as all the other Mission Impossible films. Okay, wait. So you got to talk to me about all the other Mission Impossibles because this is the only one I've seen. Oh, Claire, you're missing <laughs> out. Mission Impossible happens to be one of my most favorite, like, series of films that I've seen I think with these films they get better like they literally every single time they make one they get better and they get grander in scale like the first one they don't really travel a lot the first um the first one is kind of like it's a portrayal of Ethan Hunt which is Tom Cruise character by someone on the inside and kind of like every film is essentially the same where it's like Ethan Hunt's trying to save the world but like he just does really cool action sequences in all of it this one, he, they have a legit helicopter fight. Like, when have that you ever crazy, seen a helicopter yeah. fight? Never. And, like, they wear bulletproof vests. Like, it's, like, you know, no, I always, like, upset me when people in films don't wear, like, bulletproof vests if they're supposed to be, like, a spy or something. And it's, like, they do. Because, you know, Ethan Hunt doesn't mess around. Um, mm-hmm. And I really don't think you need to see any of the other films to see this one. Claire, were you confused about anything at all? Like, okay, character-wise? Okay, I wasn't confused. Well, I feel like there's, with action movies like this, it's like, I, I follow the main plot of, like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. But, like, I may not understand, like, the intricacies. But, yeah, I would say mostly, like, yeah, I feel like I didn't need to see the other ones to understand who these characters were. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really like about this, because I was comparing it to um, James Bond most of the time, I really like the team he has. Yeah, because the I team. feel like big characters like this, like the James Bond and like Jason Bourne, Ethan Hunt, 
like they're good characters, but it's hard for them to like work by themselves, like as like without an, someone to bounce dialogue off of. Yeah. But like I really like the team he built around him, like Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. Um, and I Ving I, Rehams who played Luther. Yeah. Like seeing those three together, like. I thought that was great. Oh my gosh! And Henry Cavill. Henry he Cavill was so good. So, um, this film is essentially like it's another. You know, they're trying to essentially they're trying to get this like plutonium, um, from a buyer, and that's essentially the plot of the film. So they team up with the CIA. Um, the CIA, the CIA like spy whatever is played by Henry Cavill, who I also love. Like they just put everyone in like good outfits in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, he has such nice coats, and he just looks good in, like, every seat. Yeah. I was just, like, blown away. And his amazing mustache, too. Oh, not his mustache? Which became iconic because of the, um, he had to CGI out the mustache when he was filming Justice League. I would say it was worth so it. So he's got this weird CGI face, um, yeah. I would say wait, worth it for Mission Impossible. I think, you know, these, this movie was held in way higher regard than um, the Justice League film. Um, but mm-hmm. we're, we're digressing. I think this film, it was just well done. It had, you know, solid music. There were, like, really cool things. And one thing I, I really like about the film is that they really use the cities that they're in to the best of their ability. So in the That's film, so true. they're in yeah, Paris. Too. They're in Paris, and, like, he's, like, running across tops of buildings in Paris. No, that was in London. But, like, you know, they're by the Eiffel Tower. They're, you know, he's on a motorcycle in the, like, Arc de Triomphe kind of, like, famous um, kind of circle. I don't know. Road. That's what I'm trying to think of. Um, And then when they're in London, you know, he's literally running off building, on the top of buildings in London. Like, it's the kind of the grand scale. And they do, I think in Mission Impossible movies, they do it so well. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's worth it just because, like, everything that's happening is is great. Um, yeah, so Henry Cavill, the scene where he, like, pumps his arms oh, up yeah, in the bathroom. That, that was a good fight scene. That in was improv. He improv that. that improv? And the director was like, I love it. Do it again. Oh, oh that's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that oh. action scene was very good. Okay, wait, the one thing I thought was, like, when they were jumping out of the the plane, yes. Does Tom Cruise? Does I mean, does Ethan Hunt get like struck by lightning and survive? Yeah, that was. I think that's like very unrealistic. Yeah. So in the beginning of the film, they're trying to kind of infiltrate this party in Paris. So they jump out of a plane to go to the building, as you would if you're a spy. Um, and so they, Ethan Hunt was like, "Oh no, we shouldn't jump out. There's a storm." And Henry Cavill's like, "Fuck you, let's go." <laughs> Um, and he goes, and I think they go through the storm clouds, and there's, like, lightning that either struck him or struck, I think it actually strikes Henry Cavill, um, but the blow-off, like, puts him, like, away, um, but also in this film, so, like, the whole point is that there's this, um, American spy called John Lark that's been, that's kind of, um, doing this, um, needs the, needs the plutonium for these bombs, so he can, like, create anarchy in the world. And everyone knows that Tom, that John Lark, like, they realize throughout the film that it's someone that is kind of in, in the, like, American, um, like, spy network. So you, so, and they kind of build it up to, like, maybe it's Tom Cruise. But if you watch these films, you know it's not Tom Cruise. (laughs) 
It's actually Henry Cavill, which, like, I probably should have saw coming, but I still didn't. I think I was, like, too caught up with everything else that was going on. Because there is a lot going on the whole time. Because you definitely have characters, like, coming in and out. Because there's that one spy, Elsa. Yeah, the woman. Who, like, comes in and, like, Tom Cruise doesn't even know who she is. But, like, then she leaves. Um... Yeah, and then they and had then the, whole, the White Widow. Like, flashbacks between, like, Solomon and, like, Tom Cruise or Ethan Hunt's wife. Stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah. Um, it does get, I think, like, I think I think the reason why, like, those types of twists work in a film like this is because there's so much, like, going on before that. Where, like, you're not really focusing on who's the person, like, you know, who is John Lark. And, you, and like, they're kind of setting it up where you think it's Tom Cruise. Because he kind of takes the, he, they were supposed to, there's this woman they were supposed to meet who has the plutonium, she's the White Widow, she, I forgot, I don't, it's Vanessa something, I don't forget her last name, but she's oh, from Vanessa the, Kirby. Kirby, she's from The Crown, and she has also lovely outfits in this film, and she knows how to wield a knife. Um, she's supposed to meet with John Mark, but they accidentally kill John Mark, so Tom Cruise is like, fuck it, I'll be John Mark. Um, so he goes to meet with her, and then, like, kind of Henry Cavill's like, oh, you're really playing this role really well. You know, um, like, and kind of says to the CIA, you know, maybe he's, you know, John Mark. But Mm -hmm. it's him. And then, yeah, I think definitely, like, the the end, like, action scene where they're, they're, so at the end of, end of the film, um, essentially what happens is they get the plutonium, obviously, Henry Cavill, he wants to bomb this, um, like, hospital in, I, I forgot, I think in, like, Turkey, um, and that's where Tom Cruise's ex-wife is. So he gets, like, you know, very emotional about this. Um, and Henry Cavill, like, he has, he goes on a helicopter to leave. So he doesn't, you know, go for the blast. Tom Cruise follows him in a helicopter, basically chases him, um, crashes both helicopters, and then they end up on a freaking mountain at the end of it. It was very cool. What do you think of it, Claire? No, that was good. That was, like, a really cool death scene when... Um, the one hook falls down and just nails Henry Cavill's character. That's true. Like, yeah, that was a good scene. And I also like, uh, right before that, when they have the whole team going around, like, um, disabling the bombs. Because the yeah. thing was, you could only disable the bombs after the timer has, like, been set. So it's, like, really race against the clock. Um, and there were two different bombs. So we had to, f- you got to disable them at the same time. Like, it was really hard because there were so many x-rays in the area since it was, like, where all the doctors were. So they couldn't, like, t- t- detect the bombs in, like, yeah. a very accurate way. I don't know. So that whole scene was really cool. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but when I I was watching this um, on my TV on Amazon Prime, and the aspect ratio for when, like, the helicopter scenes was, like, completely different for than the, any other scene in the film. Wait, yeah, I kind of did notice that because it was more cut off, right? No, so on the on the um like helicopter scenes and every any scene he's on the mountain, it's like completely widescreen, um not widescreen, it's it's full screen, and then oh, okay. all the other scenes were widescreen. They were like those black bars. Yeah. It was just really weird. Like it was so obvious because like in the scene when you know obviously there's this whole like fifteen minute clock. So when Tom Cruise is you know on the helicopter, it goes back and forth. So it was, like, kind of jarring because you're going back, like, you constantly going back and forth between full screen, widescreen, full screen, widescreen. And I was kind of like, I'm like, why is this happening? Because I feel like things, like, changing the ratio like that only works when 
um but it's like for a very long period of time at least yeah. I don't... or like they did that really well in Dunkirk like the ratio changes to like make the area seem smaller and I'm sure they were trying to do this like in the opposite way just like make the area seem like oh this is such a like big scene and so much open space well I don't know if they did that or that was something like Amazon did that's what that's what I was saying because I don't know if like that oh, was happening with hmm. you too, because like it just seems like an odd thing to do like in a movie, you know? Yeah, I bet Amazon didn't do it. I feel like it was probably filmed that way because I can't think of any other time where I've been watching a movie and I'm I noticed like oh, this version on Amazon's different from the DVD. That's something interesting to look into though. Yeah, comment if you also had this problem. We'd like to figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so any other kind of final mo- final um, moments? Uh, yeah, the one thing I wanted to bring up was I was tripped every single time when there was someone with a mask on. I oh, yeah, that's a so classic cool. Mission Impossible thing. Yeah. My favorite moment they used it, in the beginning of the film, they have this guy who they're at, at the hospital who they're interviewing, and they need him to kind of unlock this code to know where the plutonium is. I was so fooled. That um, was such a good scene. And they had like probably my favorite scene. Yeah, they have like Wolf Blitzer have like, a little cameo in the film. Um, mm-hmm. They're basically he's basically like, okay, if you read my manifesto on TV, I'll give you the the key because it literally doesn't matter. Um, so they have Wolf Blitzer do it, and then you know he comes in the room, and after the guy gave the key, and they're like, what's going on? It's actually like Simon Pegg in like a mask, and really like mm-hmm. he hasn't been in the hospital for weeks. Like it's a fake hospital. Like, it was all fake. They just used it to kind of get get the key, which I think was fun because it's also, like, you never know what you're watching is actually happening, you know? Yeah, I, I was so tricked. That was such a well-done scene. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, this movie p- was playing while I worked at AMC, and there was one day where a priest came in and asked for two in, um, tickets for, like, the next week. And I don't know, whenever I think of Mission Impossible, I always think about that guy who bought the advance tickets. It's a good film. Yeah. They, are, they are high quality. Um, they're definitely going to make more. Uh, I don't know with what's going on right now when they're going to come out, but they have plans for two more. So maybe, I don't know, Claire, definitely I think you should watch the I know, ones I before. should go back and watch the first one, the first few. I, I definitely agree. Maybe we'll watch them together. But for now... Thanks for listening. You know, Mm -hmm. comment. Stay safe, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye.